You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. We're a family of people who are, are walking this out together. We don't have it figured out, but God's giving us enough to know what we need to do in the moment most of the time. And then the rest of the time, we're uh, winging it and hoping uh, that, it's, that it's Him, and, um, and sometimes it is, and then sometimes it's a good try. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to do, it's important that I do some, something before I proceed on uh, into the, what I plan to talk to you about today. Uh, right before we started going live, so when this coronavirus hit and towards the end of March, I think it was the Sunday um, after it hit, I felt like that, that March 31st was a date that, that it would start to, that we would see things start to turn um, for the better um, concerning the coronavirus. And so I had a word, and I used the language, and I, I want to model something to you here, but I also want to clean up a, a small mess. And um, though I didn't say it on, on camera, so not as many people heard it as they'll hear this, but hopefully you'll get something out of this, because I believe this is really important. It's been modeled to me. And so when I said the March 31st date of everything turning, clearly we see that the timing of that was wrong. The date was wrong. I believe that the word was right, but the date was wrong. And so I apologize. That wasn't God. That was me. Um, that's why I use the language I feel like. That's why I didn't say, you know, the Lord says or thus saith the Lord. That's why we don't honestly model that, though I'm not saying that that's a wrong model uh, at times, but most of the times it can be. And so it's important that we as prophetic people when we're and so that we clean up our messes, that we're responsible that people don't think that when we miss it, that we just act like nothing happened because that's not a healthy model in life. It's not a healthy model in a relationship. It's definitely not a healthy model in the prophetic. But also people need to see us clean up our messes like this so that they don't think, well, this was God or they get all messed up because people that are young Christians or even older Christians don't have a lot of experience in this type of thing, in the type of... of hearing what Jesus is saying and getting to relay that to people, they then get wounded by things like that happening when nothing is ever said or brought up again or somebody, you know, I could have made probably a small list of good excuses as to why it didn't happen, but it would be better to just call it what it is. I just missed it. And sometimes we just miss it and that's okay. We're all, we're all trying, we're all growing. And so I want to see that. I want to model that in my own life to you so that you know what it's like to go back and clean up your mess because I have seen it profoundly hurt people in situations where they've prophesied things about healing and saying they see the Lord healing somebody or, or um, a child and then it not happen and them blame shift as to why it didn't happen. 
and then they start making excuses instead of just being mature and saying, I saw wrong, I heard wrong, and we're all capable of missing it. If you think you're not capable of missing it, I would say that you are in a dangerous, dangerous place. Um, and I hope that you will learn your lesson as I have learned um, through the good, the bad, and the ugly of about 11 years of the prophetic. I've seen a lot and heard a lot. And I know there's some of you that are watching that have seen and heard a lot more than what I have in my limited experience. But I hope that helps. Things are shifting with the coronavirus. We are seeing it happen. It didn't happen as fast as some of us hoped for and even prophesied. But there are times when if you don't, if you don't prophesy, if you don't step out and say something, um, let's just say it like this. The Lord needs something to work with. He's looking for a channel uh, to flow through or a person to speak out. So I'm grateful that times are, are the things are shifting in the coronavirus. I am not grateful for all the people that have been damaged by it. Um, I am grateful for the position it's put us in in the church because we are being squeezed and we are seeing what's on the inside of us and we are getting new um, methods to reach people, which is, which is always, always good. And so, yes. All right, now I want to talk to you about righteousness. Uh, I believe believing for a revival of righteousness. And this is a particular topic or that obviously you I can't exhaust in any one teaching, but it is also a topic that I have looked at the way that I looked at grace for a long time with only one definition attached to it. And the definition that I've always attached to righteousness has been right standing with God, which is true. But as like like I said, like grace, it's a much broader it's a much broader word than to be able to uh, pigeonhole it in with one definition. And so this is what I saw in worship, as I saw uh, this picture of Jesus, and it was when he went into the temple and he was knocking over the money changers' tables. You know they were selling animals, and I, I saw this uh, the it would be the what they had kept the pigeons in, like a bird bird cage, or what they had kept the doves in. And it was knocked over, and the doves were able to be let loose. And I feel like that that's a picture of what God's going to do in, in our thinking today, um, is that it's the dove was never meant to be in the cage, right? It was never meant to be in there. It was just a picture, I believe, a prophetic picture of Jesus saying, the old systems and the old ways, were, I'm doing away with them. And so he always wants to overhaul our thinking. I hope this, when I talk about it today, helps you as much as it has helped me uh, over the last few days. And so, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to meet you in your word. Thank you for truth. We pray, Spirit of truth, that you come and that you would uh, realign our thinking in any way that it needs to be, that you'd come as... The, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and point us to Jesus, draw us closer to Jesus, connect us more to Jesus relationally. And that this truth, whatever it is that you want to release today, would help us to, to be completely free, to be ourselves in every way that we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I will read 
this one verse out of that amazing passage in 2 Corinthians 5. I'd like to read it all to you, but I believe it's only necessary to read this one verse. And this is a verse that hasn't made sense to me with the definition of righteousness that I had. Right standing with God. And so this is what it says in, in the Passion Translation, and it, it just it, it makes it a little clearer than some of the other translations, though they all say just about the same thing. Um, it says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. For God made the only one who did not know sin, talking about Jesus, to become sin for us. Jesus became sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. To become the righteousness of God. I've made that declaration that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Have you ever declared something that you weren't totally sure what it meant, but you knew it was truth and you knew it was good for you? And you're like, yes, I'm saying this, I'm excited about it, but I don't totally understand what this means. This is one of those scriptures where it says that I, that, I, that we, that are in Christ, that we become the righteousness of God. <clears throat> so here's a definition that comes out of the Greek Thayer's lexicon. or the Greek, It's a Greek dictionary, biblical it's a Bible-based dictionary. It's not a secular dictionary. If you're familiar with it, some of you, those of you that study, uh, I'm sure there's a few of you watching that love that Greek Thayer's uh, lexicon. And here is the first definition of righteousness that comes out of it. It says, the state of him who is as he ought to be. The state of him who is as he ought to be. Or, in other words, righteousness means right in being. It means you are what you are supposed to be, and you are not what you are not supposed to be. And so if we attribute this to our identity, if we look at even um, in Philippians 3, when Paul, the Apostle Paul is talking in Philippians 3, and he is listing off his pedigree. If you read this, he's... Uh, he's the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law. Uh, he's a Pharisee. He's able to keep the whole laws. What he's stating in there, he's stating that he's circumcised on the eighth day. He's doing all of the things of the Jewish customs that would make him a perfect picture of what a Pharisee was supposed to be. And so he is at the beginning, it appears of the first six verse, five or six verses that he is bragging about all his accomplishments, and then he says this. He says, in all those things I count as rubbish. I love the King James Version because it says dung. It says, I count them all as dung. Like, they're all useless. They're all of waste. It does paint a picture, but it says that those things are all waste to me. They are not helping me any longer. I would rather have righteousness that comes through God, by faith, in Christ Jesus, then I would rather have the righteousness that comes through the law. And so before, we, uh, the righteousness that we had was through our own accomplishments. And so we could try to work our way into this 
Have you ever, maybe you're in this place now, I don't know about you, but I was in this much of my Christianity as I've strived to try to be a lot of what God has said that I am. I have strived in um, trying to see more people healed. I have strived in trying to be more prophetic. I've tried hard is what I mean by striving. I've tried hard to hear God many times. I've tried hard to intercede and pray hard and and um, and pray harder when I don't see things happen and sometimes pray louder and pray longer and and what I consider to be more passionate and I don't know about you but I've found out that all of those efforts mostly just made me exhausted uh, frustrated uh, not understanding why these things weren't happening because I was doing all of the things that I felt like I was supposed to be doing. I was jumping through all the Christian hoops. I was uh, doing my best to, to be the person that Jesus says I could be. I was doing my best to display all of the fruit of the Spirit. But who knows that the harder you try at, at this Christian life, the harder it actually becomes is that you can only put on a show in your own strength because anything that you build in your own strength, you have to maintain in your own strength. And so you can only put on a good show in your own strength for so long before you break down and, and things go bad because when you can only display, the, and I've found in my limited experience is that I could only display those fruits, those love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, I could only display them when things were going right, when things were good, when, when there was no pressure, when there was not being tested, or all the things that we all go through. And then almost on a daily basis, at some point, I would find out that all my efforts, all they did was accomplish, it would get me to a point to where I would fail or feel like I failed again, where I would mess up, where I would, I would not display the, the, the godly character that I knew I was created to. And I, I came to this place of frustration for years of not understanding. And then, honestly, at one point, I just came to a place where I just accepted that it was always going to be like this, that I was just going to try really hard, mess up, I would go to my figurative altar, whether it was at the front of a church or whether it was in my prayer time, and I would, I would cry and I would say I was sorry to God, and, and then I would get up and I would feel a, a little bit better, but still ashamed or condemned, whatever the case may be, and, or maybe a little bit or a lot of bit of both, and then I would go out and then it would happen again, and it was just this vicious cycle, and, and I read the Bible and I, and I see that this isn't that this isn't what lines up with, with the Scripture. This isn't what I, I see in the life of Jesus. It's, it's not what Jesus displayed, and, and it's no matter what he went through. And, and then, then I start to think, well, 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 maybe this isn't for me. I don't know if any of you have ever felt like that. Well, maybe I'll just never attain to this. Maybe this is just always the way that it's always going to be. And so my understanding of righteousness was limited to that right standing with God, that somehow God was just being merciful, being merciful to me because of what Jesus did, that he loved me, but he really didn't like me all that much. Um, and it seemed to be clear to me because I was only able to live out of this 
this strength that I conjured up on my own. And that all of that that I did for years of Christianity all came from a misunderstanding of, of righteousness, to be honest. All not realizing that this definition, that this was a game changer, a life changer for, for me, for us. And that's what in Romans 5, 19, it says, For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I thought that that meant that the first Adam, all of us became sinners in him, right? Because Adam and Eve, what they chose to do, all of us became sinners from birth. As soon as we come out of our, our moms, we are born into sin. That's why we need a Savior. Every child, you don't have to teach a child to lie or manipulate or, or steal kids, other kids' toys before they, before they understand what any of that is or have the thinking for it. It is ingrained into every child as innocent and, and as blameless and as holy as they appear to be that moment that you hold them in the hospital, you find out one day that that is not true. And it wasn't because of what they learned. It was because of what they were born into. It's because of what we were all born into. As much as sometimes we are delusional as parents and we want to believe one thing when we're faced with reality, we realize that Jesus came to pay for that type of behavior to no longer be a part of our lives. And so that scripture describes what it was that everybody became sinners through Adam. And then the second Adam, Jesus, all of us through his sacrifice are made righteous. And if you thought of that the way that I've thought about it, is that we, may, we get to be in right standing with God, you'd be absolutely right. But to stop there would do the gospel and everything that Jesus actually paid for a disservice because he paid not only for us to be in right standing with God, he actually paid for us to look like him, for us to look like him and live like him in every single moment of every single day. And the life that I thought was impossible and was impossible in my own strength has become a reality because of truth in the Holy Spirit actually rewiring my thinking. I'm in process of this. I don't want you to think that I've got this all figured out. I never want to preach or teach something that becomes obtainable or becomes unobtainable because of the way that I say it. And I believe that there are teachers out there that teach identity in a way that it actually it, it brings condemnation and shame on people instead of actually brings them freedom. And I, because they make it so unobtainable when they teach it. And, and there's no relatable stories. There's no transparency. There's no vulnerability. And I never want to do that to you um, because... That would be doing you and I a disservice because vulnerability is not only good for you, it is, even better, it is even better for me. And so if you take this particular truth and let's look at what was in, in the beginning. God calls us, this is what I see, God calls us son, God calls us daughter, not only when we accepted Jesus, but actually 
the, the moment that he thought of us before the foundation of the world, this is the way that I see it, is that when he saw us and he knew what we would be named, when he saw uh, Owen before the foundation of the world, Sarah, Sam, these are the people that are in the building, and there's several others I could name, but this is what I picture, is that when he, he thought of us in his mind, had us in his heart, is that he attached the word son and the word daughter. He said that over us from the beginning. What, picture this, is that when he sees us, and he says, Owen, that's, that's my son, Owen, is that there's actually power in that, that his, his words before the foundation of the world did not disintegrate, but they waited for the moment that we would say yes to Jesus. Why is that powerful? If you look at Genesis chapter 2 in Adam um, is God is bringing Adam the animals. God forms the animals out of the dust of the ground. He brings them to Adam, and then Adam names the animals. And so I know that some of them, if you're like me, you've thought, why in the world did you create this? You know, mostly mosquitoes. Um, there's a few others, you know. Uh, I won't name them for animal lovers. Feelings may be hurt, but... Um, <laughs> It just seems like there's not really any point that they would be here, but that sometimes I believe in, in their created nature that they would actually be enjoyable, but in their fallen nature, uh, they're just jerks. And so, just <laughs> and so, Adam is what it appears like, just calling them by a name that what they, maybe what they look like, or I don't know if you've ever thought about how did he come up with these names? But in the Hebrew culture, in Jewish culture, you see that a name actually has meaning. And when he called them by the name that came to him or was given to him by God, we don't know how exactly it happened, he wasn't naming them by what they looked like. He was actually calling them by the nature that they would display in the earth. Because names reveal nature in Hebrew culture. That's why they named their kids and still name their kids names that have meaning so that when they called their child by that name, it was actually releasing their inherent nature so that they would display that. And so picture this, God's calling us, he's calling us Son, he's calling us daughter before the foundation of the world. And then in that, in the moment that we actually, those words are like in the waiting room of heaven for every single person that would say yes to Jesus. And so for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness would become righteousness. How can we become righteousness. It's because it is actually the state that we were always created to be. And so when those words wash over us, what they are supposed to do is reveal our nature. Nature as son. Nature as daughter. And so here's an example of is if you look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, there are two things that I have emphasized for years now, probably six or seven years that I've been emphasizing of Jesus' baptism. I've called it the baptism of love um, <laughs> because it definitely is. And the reasons that I called it that is 
we see the Father speaking over Jesus as he baptizes, as John the Baptist baptizes him. And he says these words. He said, this is my son in whom I delight. And we see the Spirit of God coming upon Jesus. And we've emphasized the Spirit of God coming upon Jesus so that we can say the biblical truth that Jesus walked the earth not as God but as man. Though he was fully God, he decided not to walk the earth as God because we needed a perfect sacrifice that was born of a woman, that was actually a person. And he became that perfect sacrifice and lived his life with the Spirit of God upon him without measure. And so that encourages me, as it should encourage you, because it's vitally important that we have the Spirit of God upon us. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, he's made that possible for every single person. So yes, that's vitally important. We've emphasized that. The other part that we've emphasized is that God says, the Father says, this is my Son in whom I delight. And so that in whom I delight denotes that Jesus didn't have to do anything to be accepted by God or to be approved of by the Father, which should encourage us because it shows us that none of the things that Jesus accomplished in his earthly ministry are what actually brought delight to the Father. It was solely because he was his son. And so that truth is supposed to help us to live from love and not for love that we can't do anything to earn love. It is actually love that he already gives us unconditionally. He loves the person that doesn't know him as much as he loves you and I that do know him. He loves the, the sinner that's caught up in sin as much as he loves the saint, the son or daughter who's living for him and, and doing everything that deems to be right in terms of the Bible. But what I have missed, I don't know if you have, but I've missed this, for years, is that what if when the father said son over Jesus, this is my son, is that right then that his inherent nature, everything that he was, ought to, he was supposed to be, or everything that we, he was ought to be, in that life that he was given, was revealed in that moment so that he could live that out. That it was not only the Spirit of God, it was not only the delight of the Father, but it was actually His name as Son that brought Him into the place where He could demonstrate and display what it looks like to live out of righteousness. Because everything that we are supposed to be is in the person of Jesus. We can point back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, and I talk about this frequently, is that we were made in the image of God, and we were made in His likeness. And we lost the likeness because of Adam and Eve, but we retained the image of God that was on the inside of us. And then through Jesus we actually got the likeness back. What's that mean? It means that we are able to be like God. Not be God, but be like God in the nature that God actually is as love. I love it in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25. It talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit in the Passion Translation and it says that 
basically that these are love. All of these attributes are love in all its varied expressions. And so we look at love as the Father. We see Jesus demonstrate what he looks like on the planet. And then the Spirit of God gives us that same opportunity. But if the truth about who we are as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus does not change the way that we think, then it will not become our reality. And we live in this vicious cycle of continuing to try, 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 instead of being, living out of who we ought to be, instead of living out of who we were never supposed to be. And see, you see how this word, how the Father speaks, he, as, we, as we often say, we get this because of, of Genesis 1, and the Father speaks everything into existence, that our words actually create worlds. And it's because we have the same grace. I'm going to be careful here so you don't think I'm saying we have the same creative power though we get to co-create with God, is that our words bring, are backed by the authority of heaven when they come from the identity of a son or daughter. There's so many people that believe, I believe this myself, is that we believe that if, we just, if I just quote scripture, if I just quote certain scriptures at certain times, they will actually help me. Can I tell you that just taking one passage, for example, is that nobody ever mentions Psalms 91 until everything goes wrong in their life. Like nobody ever mentions Psalm 91. I hadn't heard it as much, you know, for years until this, this crisis took place. Well, Psalms 91 is completely conditional on the very, very beginning of that. None of that is happening unless we abide in the secret place of the Most High. And me quoting that for you and just being able to say that and regurgitate that doesn't make it my reality. Have you ever experienced that? So Psalms 91 is conditional on, and many, many, lots of people don't like this, but many of the promises of God, I'd say the majority of the promises of God are conditional. They aren't, they aren't just going to happen. They actually come forth for the son or daughter who lives out of the reality of who we know we are, abiding in this secret place, the shelter of the Most High. I don't run to that place when I'm afraid. I live from that place because it's in my nature to actually be one with the Father. And so I never leave the secret place. I never leave the shadow of the Most High. It's, it's where I live from. It's not a place I go to. It's not a location. It actually is part of who I am. It is who I ought to be on a daily basis. It is what makes me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It what, it's what makes all of this possible is that the intimacy with him allows the truth that comes from the word of God to actually become a reality in my life on a daily basis is that I don't have to try to be righteous. I don't have to try to be in right standing. I don't have to try to be a son. It is actually who I am. It's my natural state of being to be loved, to exude joy, to be at peace, 
to actually release peace everywhere I go, to have patience. People say, don't pray for patience. You don't have to pray for patience. You have patience on the inside of you. It is already there. I don't have to ask for so many things that I ask for. It actually is me realizing who I am more than it is petitioning God for things that I see lacking in my life. Somebody mentioned it this morning, and I've had the Holy Spirit say this to me. I don't know how many times that I ask for more. God, please give me more. And Holy Spirit, and I believe that that is a legal prayer, is that we can always ask for more because there's so much that we haven't seen and we won't be able to exhaust what heaven has for us in a lifetime. The best we can hope for is to get everything that, that he has for us in our lifetime and be an example to the next generation to start where we finish and to go further faster than we ever could. That's, that's the best we can hope for. And so I realize that more is a legal prayer, but I don't know how many times the Holy Spirit has, has said to me, let's learn how to use what you already have. Like oftentimes I'm asking for more. I want to see more breakthrough. I want to see more miracles. I want to see but did you ever notice when Jesus was asked what, what was the law, what, was, what did people need to obey, what did they need to do, is that though the signs, the wonders, and the miracles are important, he didn't mention them in the two laws that he brought. He said, love God with all you've got and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you'll do that, you'll fulfill the whole law. What law? The law of love. And so... It is more about a state of being, which comes through righteousness, than it is a state of him trying to do, like Paul said in Philippians 3, that all of the things that I have earned in my own strength, all the things that I have attained to, because all the things that I have attained to in my own strength don't count for anything because they don't have any eternal value. No matter how good they look, no matter how polished they might be, no matter, no matter even if they look like they're making a difference now. For them to have eternal value, they have to come from the eternal nature that every single one of us were given at our new birth. That's why Paul, or that's why, I'm sorry, Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. Because if you have an old nature, it would make sense to have to be born again, right? Remember what I said? That every child was born into sin. And so they were called, we were called sinner. And so then that was what, he, what was spoken over us from the beginning of time is what we were. It wasn't what we were supposed to be, but it was what we lived from because that was our name, right? And so then the new birth in Christ actually gives us access into the new nature where he says, no, you're not sinner anymore. You're son, you're daughter, because this is who you ought to be. And now your new nature is everything that you see displayed through my son. You can live just like him, pick up where he left off, demonstrate all that he demonstrated in every situation, and be love. Does love look like resurrection for the dead? Absolutely. Does love look like miracles and healing and, and people getting their life blown up in a good way through a prophetic word and the goodness of God being revealed through the supernatural? Absolutely. It looks like all that. But I also realize that all that can be done 
outside of love. And Jesus mentions that in Matthew chapter 7. And I don't need to go there, but it is. And so those aren't the things that I'm striving for. I'm not striving to see more miracles, though I pray to see more miracles. What I am praying for is actually so that the reality of who we are in Him, the righteousness of God is actually demonstrated through my life on a daily basis. Because when that happens, everything else that we were created for will happen naturally. It's natural for a son or daughter to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to give prophetic words, to love people well in every situation, to see demons leave, it, it to stop storms, to do things that seem to be crazy even to some Christians. It is natural for us to live out of that when we realize what the truth of the word not only says what we can do, but says who we are. And so what is the Father saying to you today concerning this? Do you, do you need to hear him again say, you are my son, you are my daughter, so that your nature that's already available to you will be revealed in the way that it was always supposed to be? You know, I had this pretty significant encounter yesterday when I was getting some of this revelation on righteousness. And, and so as I was spending time with God, the Holy Spirit's giving, He's giving me this revelation on being the righteousness of God. And it, I can feel it changing me as it's happening. Truth is not just for head knowledge. It is actually for for heart rearrangement and, and, think, and thinking, transform, it's transformation of our minds and our heart lines up with all of that and we become one in Him by knowing truth. For years I thought it was about how much, and I don't hear me wrong when I say this, I thought it was about how much time I spent with Him. I thought I, that's, that's important. I thought it was about all the things that were on my Christian checklist to do. That if I would just mark these off on a daily basis, I would be more spiritual, I would be more holy, I would be more all of these things. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit's trying to point me towards the truth that I already am all of these. This is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that spending time with Him, reading your Bible, worshiping, being disciplined in your spiritual life is not important. I believe it's vital. But what we believe those things do, why, uh, let me say it like this, why we do them is more important than doing them. It, it's just like that same concept of what I believe about my situation is more important than what's going on in my situation. Right? It's, it's, it's more important of what I believe about my situation than what is going on in my current situation. I know that may not make a lot of sense why you're in the situation, but what you believe, what I believe about my situation will either give me hope or hopelessness. I will either be able to demonstrate joy and love in the midst of that situation or I will demonstrate the opposite. And that all comes out of my belief system. It doesn't come from anywhere else. 
It, it's not, sometimes I've been waiting for a supernatural impartation of joy. Please, and I believe that God releases joy from heaven. I've been waiting for, you know, just let me uh, experience, let me experience you one more time. Let me, let me speak to that real quick before I close, is that I have repented this week of if I have made Christianity about a party um, and me experiencing God without it and not allowing it to completely transform me the way that I was created to be transformed and releasing what he's giving me every time he releases something to me. Because he pours in, so we pour out. And I believe in, in all of the, having the good time. I believe in getting inebriated by the love of God. I believe all of that. But it was brought to my attention for a reason. Is that it has it become at times just about having the good time. And the good time wasn't actually to translate the goodness of God to the people that were around me. Was it just for me? Because it's never supposed to be just for us. And so I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I've made it about this. I realize that this is part of kingdom culture. I realize that ha being able to have fun with you is important. But have I made it something that it was not supposed to be? Have I made it something that was not translating as impact to the world? Because if my encounters aren't, aren't making it to where I'm being an encounter to those that are around me, then what good was the encounter? Was it just for a good time? If it doesn't translate to more souls saved, to more lives being impacted, then to me it was, it was a waste and it was, not what it, was supposed to, it was not what it was meant for. It was always meant to impact the world around us. If I'm not impacting the world around me and I'm just worried about hopefully it correcting my behavior, then I need to, I need to correct my thinking in that. And that, that, was, that was for me. Maybe that doesn't make sense to anybody that, that's watching this or will watch this. But I realize that we're in a culture that embraces all of that. And all of that sometimes controlled chaos at best has changed my life. But I never want of the truth that when I encounter him, it's so that I become an encounter. Is that when I spend time, I'm saying this for a reason, that when I spend time with him, it's so that I be transformed. It's not so that my behavior becomes better. I'm not trying to correct my behavior because the father's not behavior focused. <laughs> He's focused on sons and daughters. He's focused on, on, on being the father that he is. He just, he's got love in his eyes. He's madly in love with you. He's madly in love with the world. He adores us. He's, he's pursuing every person on the planet with, with love, regardless of, of whether or not they'll accept him. He is after them. His reckless love is a reality. It's not just a good song. It really does kick down walls. It'll climb any mountain. It'll go into the the deepest darkness. It, you can't escape it. It's just impossible. I know from personal experience. is His love, it, it is after every single person. And it's not after us to correct behavior, though it does correct behavior. It is after us so that we be who he says we are. And so today, I just want to encourage you that you are the righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read it to you just to end this. Is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness means right in being. It means you are what you are supposed to be, not what you are not supposed to be.
You are what you are supposed to be because he calls you son, because he calls you daughter. Yeah, it's a privilege to be a Christian, but that's not what he calls you. He calls you son. He calls us son for a reason. He calls us daughter for a reason, right? It's not just because it sounds good. It's not just because it's caught on in culture and it's the new thing to say, even though it can turn into that. It's for a purpose. God has a purpose in everything that, he does, everything that he does. He's very, very intentional with what he is doing. Every, every He does not waste anything. And so even all of the study, all of the time that I spent, all of the intercession that was from a place of striving and trying and from a religious mindset, all of that, I don't believe that he wasted any. I believe he's taught me so much from that season. That wasn't wasted. If you've gone through that, that season in your life was not wasted of being caught in religion, of, of constantly striving and performing for Him, when now you're realizing you don't have to perform for Him. That, that you've already, <laughs> you're already loved. You're already accepted. He already approves you. you and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's truth. And we can try and argue with truth, but it doesn't make truth any less truth. Right? It's, it's like not believing in Jesus. It doesn't make it not true. Just makes it sad for the person that doesn't believe. All right, but it doesn't stop the one who is love from pursuing them with love. And so all those things that we've done, all the Christian hoops that we have jumped through, all, this, all the striving, all the performing, it's time, to, it's time to hand all that over and trade it in for what righteousness really is. I don't know about you, but I, I needed to know this. I needed to know that it wasn't about my Christian effort, even though I know that we work hard in Him. It's just that we work from love and not for it. It's just that we don't do it in our own strength. We do it, and it says, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. We do it as one with Him, not trying to be one with Him. It's that same concept. Not trying to live in the secret place. It's where I was designed to live from. For all of my life, all of my, all of my Christian life, that's, this has been a constant vicious cycle, and I'm grateful that, it's, that it stops, that it stops now. Because there's even times in the last five or so years when I, I catch myself still performing, and, and Holy Spirit will bring it to my attention. He's like, you're trying to get something. You've already got it. You're trying to earn something. You already have. You're trying to be somebody that you already are. And so this takes time. Regardless of, of where you're at, this truth I know can change. I know it can, it's, it's changing my life. I know it can change every single life. And I believe there's a revival of righteousness that is coming, that is here and still coming to the, to the whole planet. That this is a time where the body of Christ is knowing is, becoming, is be beginning to know who she is. I saw this picture on Friday night of, the, of this giant that was walking through um, this town, and the people were asking each other, what is that? Who is that? And other people were telling them, it's, it's, the, it's the bride. It's the bride of Christ. It's the, sleeping, it's the sleeping giant. It's the sleeping beauty. She's awake. The body of Christ is awake. And we are catching up to who we are in Him. It's an exciting time to know that these truths are happening. 
They're being released all over the planet, on the other side of the world. To our Christian brothers and sisters down the street, this, these truths are being released to everyone. Everyone that is just willing to, to seek Him, um, <laughs> to take the time to pay attention to what He's saying. And so pray with me today. If, if this truth is for you and, and you need to break agreement with a lie, hopefully you know what to, how to do that. If you don't, just simply say, I break agreement in the name of Jesus with my idea of righteousness. And I receive the truth of what righteousness really is. It is, it makes me who I ought to be, who the Father already sees me as. And then allow that truth, meditate on that truth. It's not hearing it one time in a message or reading it one time in the Bible. It is meditating on that truth day and night throughout every day. When you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, these truths, when we meditate on them, they actually become our reality. That, that's, the, that's the only effort that I know I need to put in now, is that I need to be disciplined in meditating on truth so that the truth of who I already am will become my reality and I'll live that out to the world around me so they see who the Father is as a good Father. And so thank you. Jesus, for revealing truth to your sons and daughters. Thank you for setting an example of what we, what we were always supposed to be. Thank you for demonstrating what it looks to, to live like as the righteousness of God. That you set that example for us. And you said, not only asked us to, but you said we can follow in your footsteps and do greater. You were the firstborn. Firstborn of many, many sons and daughters. And so thank you right now for striving, stopping. If anybody is trying to perform still for love, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, show us where we're, we're trying still, where we're striving still, where we're still trying to make this happen and that this truth would become our reality that we'd be able to rest and relax in our new nature and we'd be able to demonstrate everything that our new nature already says that we are we'd be able to live out of every single reality that we already have that we would discover that we would make it our our goal our life's mission to discover all the beautiful treasures that are in Christ all the things that you have laid up for us in heaven that you said we already have access to, that you've given us full permission to access those heavenly realities for our lives right now. No better time than the present. Not excuse as to when we should do certain things in our Christian life that right in the midst of when seems th things seem to be going wrong or they're not perfect, which they honestly never are. But that's the perfect time. It's the perfect time to, to experience, to live out of the reality of being born again. If you've never been born again, if, you, if you've never experienced that, it's real simple. 
Just say, yes, Jesus. It says it in Romans 10. If we believe that God raised him from the dead, raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. Just say, yes, Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. If you are who you say you are, you've forgiven my sins, and not only forgiven my sins, but you've broken the power of sin over my life that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I would experience that born-again experience into my new nature, that I would not just become a Christian, but I would actually become a son or become a daughter, and I would live in that reality right now. I want to encourage you that you don't have to wait 10 or 12 years the way that I have to live out of these truths, that you can live out of them right now, no matter how old you are in Jesus. And if you haven't lived in them and you've been in this for 30 or 40 years, you can live in them right now too. It's never too late and it's never too early. So Father, thank you for helping us live out of the reality of what the gospel is. Thank you for your truth that it's not complicated. It's not complicated. Thank you that you're changing mindsets right now. That you're breaking the power of the sinner mindset. That you're bringing the truth of the new nature of a son or daughter. I thank you that we are one with you through becoming righteousness of you. Father, in Christ Jesus. There's been a transfer of righteousness to us. <laughs> and it's our identity. It's just not what we're, we're being, but it is actually who we are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Father. Every person, Holy Spirit, get them with truth. Get them with truth. Bombard them with the truth that they need the most. Is it reemphasize it over and over again? Reiterate it in a way that will help them understand it the best. If I didn't articulate it well enough for them, or if it's a different truth, whatever it is, we thank you that you're faithful to answer that prayer always. Thank you that your goal is always to bring transformation. And I pray every encounter that was had by any person today, that it would translate into an encounter for somebody that's around us. That we will look for people to bring into an encounter with you, with your love. That we will be available, ready and available, every moment of every day to text, call, message, somebody we see at the grocery store or out somewhere. If you're bold enough, just see them at a stoplight and roll down your window. <laughs> Drive by loving, whatever it looks like, wherever you're at. Everybody's a legal target for love. Everybody's a legal target for love. Especially unbelievers, but believers too everybody's a target. Let us see them that way. Father, the great big target on them as love, but not as an object, but as someone that you want to know 
how deeply you love them. And we demonstrate that. Whatever way you give us, we trust you. may not always look profound, and it doesn't have to. want it to look like what you want it to look like through us. So thank you, Father, for the freedom to be us in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We love you guys. For all the Revive family and friends that we maybe just occasionally see and we don't see all the time, we, we miss you. Hope you join us on Wednesday with David Wagner. And join us on Friday on the Zoom call. We'd love to be able to, to see your face, at least on the, on the computer screen. If you need prayer, you can email support at revivetheworld.us. We'll get somebody to get with you. Whatever it is, we just want you to know we're still available for you. Praying for you guys on, on a daily basis. Thanks for being with us through all this. It's making us stronger in Him. It's refining us more into into the godly character we were created to carry. It's actually, may not seem like it in the moment, but I know God's bringing good out of this situation. Or you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Bless you. Hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.